We will be learning the first sicha on Parshas B'Shalach in Chelek Chaf Aleph of Lakote Sichas. And in this sicha, we learn about the aftermath of the Shiraz Hayam after the Yidden crossed the Yamsov. We find that Moshe Rabbeinu has to make them move onward, as the Pesach says, Vayasa Moshe Es Yisrael in the Yamsov, that Moshe Rabbeinu made the Yidden travel away from the Yamsov Bal Karcham against their will. And uh, in other words, the Yidden were not ready to leave the Yamsov after all the Nisrim had drowned, and they were busy collecting all the biza, all the booty, all the wealth of the Mitzrayim that had come up from the Yamsov. So here Rashi comes to answer the following question. Uh, the Yidden had just crossed the Yamsov. They had actually witnessed Hashem with their own eyes. As the Pesach tells us, Hashem revealed himself to the Yidden in his full glory. And as we know, in the Shiraz Hayam, we say, Ze indicates that we pointed a finger at the Ebeshter, indicating here he is, this is him, as we learn, to the point where the Chachamim tell us that even a simple maidservant was able to see Elokus and the Yam more so than, the, than all the Nevi'im. And this gave the Yidden such a wonderful feeling that they praised Hashem in the full glory and full praise in the Shira of Az Yashir. So, if after that was done, it's a little bit difficult to understand that they would be so involved in collecting the wealth of the Mitzrayim that came up from the Yamsov that they would not go to, would not want to go on further. In other words, once they had witnessed a Lukus, in the miracle of Kriyas Yamsuf, what was the value of the gold and silver that they were collecting from the Yamsuf? Is that really what had an essential value to them? And especially since they had already been told by Moshe Rabbeinu that once they would be leaving Mitzrayim, they would go serve Hashem. Straight from the Yamsuf, they would go and they would receive the Torah. And they were very eager to receive the Torah as we know that they counted the days from the time that they left until they would receive the Torah. So that was really the ultimate goal of their leaving Mitzrayim. So why would the fact that they had so much wealth coming up from the Yamsuf stand in the way of continuing automatically towards getting the Torah? So obviously, there must have been some reason that the Yidna felt it was so important to collect this wealth that came up from the Yamsuf that they were not ready to move on in spite of everything that had happened before that would what ordinarily just push them forward to the goal that, that they were waiting to realize. Obviously, they felt that there was something there in the collection of this biza, of this booty, of this wealth from Israel that Hashem wanted, because at this point they would not have done anything other than Hashem wanted since they had been so inspired by the miracles of Kriyas Yamsuf itself. So one of the ways to explain it is quite simple. The Rebbe brings that when the Yidden were told that they would be leaving Mitzrayim, they were commanded, as we learned earlier in the Chumash, that they would ask for the wealth, for the booty of the Mitzrayim. It would be in the, during the Makkah of Choshech. They would know where everything is, and they would come over to the Mitzrayim, and they would be collecting all the gold and silver and beautiful things that were there, so not only 
in a limited way, but as the Pasuk says, Menitzaltem es Misraim, that they should completely empty out Misraim of all its wealth, gold and silver, etc., until there would be nothing left. So when the Yidin saw that the Mitzrayim had round in the Yamsuf, and there is still so much more wealth coming up, they felt that they are obligated to continue the fulfillment of this message to empty out Mitzrayim of all its wealth, and therefore they were ready to continue doing what they had been told to do, and therefore they were delayed in their journey towards Matan Torah. And instead of going straight forward to receive the Torah, the fact is that Hashem himself had told them that they should empty out Mitzrayim, that was a command, even though the fact that they were told that when they are going to be leaving Mitzrayim, they will be serving Hashem at Har Sinai, that was not a command. That was just a story, a foretelling of what would be happening in the future. Whereas emptying out Mitzrayim of its booty, of its wealth, is an actual command of Hashem. And it could only be done when it could be done, not later. So that is why they decided that before they go forward, which was a message of what would happen in the future, they would do the mitzvah that they have to do now to continue to make sure that Mitzrayim is emptied out of everything it had. However, this is not a sufficient answer seemingly because Moshe is the one who told them to continue on from the Yamsuf, so it would seem quite simple, quite literal, that if Moshe told them to go, then obviously this is from Hashem. So if this is a command from Hashem, why does, do we have to learn in Rashi, based on the Medrash, that he told them to go, he made them go, and it was Balkarcham, it was against their will. Certainly, we just learned that they wanted more than anything else to do the will of Hashem, getting the Torah is the will of Hashem. But right here, they were told that they have to empty out Mitzrayim. The opportunity to do that is now and not later, whereas Matan Torah is something that's going to happen. And a mitzvah that has to happen now, a mitzvah that has to happen at a certain time, because then if it doesn't happen at that time, the opportunity disappears, the opportunity for doing the mitzvah expires. They felt that they have to collect it to fulfill the words of Hashem, to empty out Mitzrayim, with an absolute totality that there should be nothing left in Mitzrayim of the wealth that Mitzrayim had. So even though Moshe now told them to leave the Yamsuf, and this is certainly a proof that Hashem wants them to leave, nonetheless, in their mind, they understood that the command of what to do, a direct command that can't be done later or by anybody else, must be done first. So now we have, if we think about this, we have something else we have to wonder about. We explained that the Yidin were very eager to fulfill that which Hashem had commanded them earlier, and they saw that there was an opportunity to continue it now later. But on the other hand, why were the Yidin so enthusiastic to collect all this wealth of Mitzrayim to the point that they had to literally be forced, Bar Karcha means against their will, to continue? What benefit did they didn't seem or look forward to gaining from having such a multitude of gold and silver? They were actually going to a midbar. And what would be the value of such things in a midbar? And number two, if they would need to have some wealth, 
they had so much already, how much did they need? As the Medrash tells us, as the Chachamim tell us in the Gemara, how much wealth did they have? So this is a quote that says that there was not a single Yid that did not have 90 donkeys well loaded with the silver and gold of Mitzrayim. And the Yid knew that shortly after getting the Torah, according to the original plan, before the sin of the Miraglim and the extension of the sojourn in the Midbar would be for so many years, they thought and they knew that right after Kriyas Yamsuf, they would get the Torah and then they would go into Eretz Yisrael, they would experience the complete Geula. And it would be so great, so why in the world would they really need to have all of this silver and all of this gold? So now we can answer it like this. What did the Yidden want? The Yidden wanted one thing, to fulfill the command of Hashem. What Hashem told them earlier, so we already mentioned, Venitzaltem es Mitzrayim. They have to empty out Mitzrayim of all the things it has, of all the wealth. So automatically, they did not begin to calculate what would be the benefit. It was not a matter of them gaining a benefit in their minds. Hashem had given them a command. The command was very precious to them. They were going to do it completely, with their whole hearts, with their whole souls, with everything that they had. And therefore, it would be difficult for them to leave because they were so totally involved in fulfilling the command of Hashem. So what really was this command? What was really the ultimate purpose of taking everything out of Mitzrayim? And let's think about this. We know that Hashem had told Avraham that the Yidden would leave Mitzrayim after a very difficult golos, Berechush Godol. Berechush Godol means with great wealth, with lots of property. And this is what they were going to fulfill here. But what was it really that they were going to fulfill here? What they were going to fulfill here was not so much the need to have the silver and gold, but really the Rechush Godol, as we learn earlier, and we learn now and we learn in many places, really refers to a spiritual wealth. What is the spiritual wealth inherent in all the riches of Mitzrayim? So we know that in everything there are sparks of Kedusha, sparks of holiness that are waiting to be released. And this is how a Yid fulfills his shlichus of making everything on this earth into something godly. So the point was to take all the sparks of Kedusha that were held captive in the property of Mitzrayim, to bring it into the domain of the Yidden and to elevate it to Kedusha. And being that this avoda of refining the sparks, of releasing them, is a basic part of avodas Hashem, is a basic part of this in our service of Hashem, because through this service, what do we really accomplish? So we learned many times that the Medrash tells us that Hashem desired to have a dira b'tachtonim. Hashem wanted to make a dwelling place in this world, in the lowest sphere of existence. So therefore, this is the job of a yid. Rechush gadol, great wealth, obviously has in it something great that has to be released, that has to be elevated and uplifted to transform the world, to bring, to make this very world in all the elements that it contains in the physical elements, to make it into something godly. 
So this is what would happen when they would leave Mitzrayim with the Rechosh Godol, with the great wealth. At the same way, when the Yidden came to the other side of, the Yidden came to the Yam, and they saw that the Mitzrayim had drowned, and there was similar biza, similar wealth, to take out at Kriyas Yamsov, so they already knew that it was such a great thing that was accomplished by taking out the wealth of Mitzrayim for the purpose of serving Hashem to elevate the sparks that was in, the, in this wealth. So therefore they continued this same avoda. Here was another opportunity to continue this work. And they did it with great vitality, with great spirit, with great enthusiasm, so much, such enthusiasm and such excitement because at Kriyas Yamsuf, which had just preceded this experience of being able to take the wealth of the Mitzrayim on the other side of the Yam, they were so inspired by the fact that they had just seen Elokus, as they said, and the fact that they literally saw Hashem strengthened their ability to take this biza even more. Not only was it that they did it with their body and with their soul, but the very essence of what they had, they literally felt Hashem. When a Yid literally feels Hashem, he is able to do a mitzvah in the ultimate possible way. And this is really the inner meaning of the fact that Moshe had to tell them to leave the Yam, as we started with the Apostle, that Rashi explained, the Pesach says, Vayasa Moshe es Yisrael miyamsuf. Moshe made the Yidden journey away from the Yamsuf. And what does it mean that he made them journey away from the Yamsuf? So Rashi says they were not prepared to do it on their own. They had stopped to collect the wealth. He did it literally against their will. Now what does that mean? Did the Yidden at Kriyas Yamsuf not want to listen to Moshe? The Yidden knew that whatever Moshe told them to do was from Hashem, and more than anything, they were so inspired and eager to do what Hashem wants. So it doesn't mean that they did not want to listen to Moshe. Certainly, most certainly, they wanted to listen to Moshe. And they actually listened to Moshe, and they did it happily, because they had been so inspired by what had just happened. But the inner meaning of Baal Karcham against their will is that as far as their rational understanding is concerned, they knew they had to take out all the sparks from Mitzrayim. So to them, this is what the most important thing was, because they had been commanded to do it, and they vested their entire selves into doing it. And they were so into doing it that they could not tear themselves away. However, when they were told by Moshe that they have to continue, so they would continue because they knew that, what, that was what Hashem wanted. However, that was not something that they could arrive at with their own understanding because their understanding was that when Hashem wants you to take out the sparks, you have to take out the sparks. Now that Hashem said, we have to go get the Torah. So they knew the following, even though they don't understand it intellectually or rationally. And the, they still felt that they had to and they were busy completing the mitzvah, emptying out Mitzrayim. But right now, that task was apparently over. So even though they didn't understand why and how it was over, but they knew that it was over. And no matter what you're doing to fulfill the will of Hashem, if Hashem tells you, or if Moshe Rabbeinu, the leader of the generation, tells you that now is the time to start a new avoda, you go and you do it happily, 
even though it's not something that you understand, because what you understand, even if you have all that highest, is just based on, under, on your understanding. And there is a time when that's good, and there is a time when we have to go beyond that. And the Rebbe gives an example relating to the eating of matzah and Pesach. We know that the eating of matzah and Pesach at the Seder on the first night of Pesach, and in our time on the first two nights of Pesach in Golos, the matzah is called the bread of faith. And when a yid fulfills the mitzvah of eating matzah on the night of Pesach, literally, it strengthens our emunah. So we have to eat the matzah then because we know that this is good for our emunah and it's a great and wonderful thing. But if we're going to eat the same matzah, not then, but any other time, we're not accomplishing what we are accomplishing when we're eating it because Hashem said that when we eat it then, it strengthens our emunah. Otherwise, the eating of matzah does not strengthen the emunah. That's not really what it's all about. So similarly, just like we understand that by the eating of the matzah, we now understand over here that when the time came for them to continue, not because rationally they felt their job earlier had been completed, but because Moshe Rabbeinu told them that they have to go, and they certainly knew that whatever Moshe Rabbeinu says they have to do, even though they didn't understand it, they would continue and they would do it happily because this is what Hashem wants. And they were very happy to fulfill the will of Hashem as we see from the very beginning of the story. So now we get to the last parts of the Sikha where the Rebbe takes out a horah, a, an essential horah, an essential lesson for us in the way we serve Hashem in our lives today. When a Jew is busy, occupied with serving Hashem, so the ideal way to do it is by vesting yourself into it entirely. All your kochos, all your chayas, all your spirit has to be involved in doing what Hashem wants beyond any limitations, beyond any understanding. And this is what we have to do. And therefore, you cannot do something else at that time because you're so fully invested in it with your very essence. But when we have a command from Shulchan Aruch, when we have a command from Hashem, when we have a command from the Meshra of every generation, when we have a command from the Rebbe, that now is the time to stop this avoda, and we have to now, for whatever reason, go on and do a different avoda. What happens to us? So some t- we may feel that the second avoda may be against our will, because we're so involved in the first one with our very being. But on the other hand, when it says Bal Karcho, you know, it says in Pirkei Avos that Bal Karcho you live against your will, meaning that we have to now put a chayas into the new avoda. The chayas now has to be in this new avoda that Moshe Rabbeinu is telling us. And it's a chayas, a real chayas, that will be above any kind of limitation and above any kind of explanation. Because if a person was dedicated to fulfilling the, what Hashem wants in its ultimate way in the previous avoda, so, and if that's what it's all about, so now if Hashem wants a different avoda, we have to put our highest fully and into that avoda. And this applies to every kind of yid in any kind of avoda. And the Rebbe gives us here two practical situations of two different types of yidin, uh, two different styles of life 
that didn't have in their avoda. There are the Yoshvei Ohel, the people who dedicate their lives to sitting in a yeshiva, to studying Torah, to teaching Torah. Their work is completely in places of holiness, completely in place of kedusha and purity, and that's how they occupy all their time. So these people, they do have to be completely involved in their learning of Torah, but sometimes we have a situation when a an opportunity arises to do a mitzvah, and it must be done right then. It can't be put off for later because the opportunity may be lost. For example, pikuach nefesh. If the opportunity arises to save someone's life, you don't put it off for later. Even if your learning is the most important thing and you serve Hashem that way, you have to tear yourself away from the study and you have to go and save the life of another Jew. You may have to go and spread Yiddishkeit. You may have to go to be Makar of another Yid. And you have to do it with Simcha. Because this is what Hashem wants now. And it has to be done now. Later the opportunity may fall away and you will lose the chance. So a person can calculate like this. It's wonderful to stay in the yeshiva or in the base medrash and to dedicate one's entire life with Torah things. Why should somebody have to go outside, leave the pnima, leave the innerness and the warmth of Torah to go out into the cold, dark world? So we know that one can't only learn Torah because Torah also has to be fulfilled and we also have to do mitzvahs and we also have to do gemilus chasadim. So why does it have to be this particular thing? Maybe he could do something else. Why does he have to go out into the darkness to the complete opposite kind of avodah? So a person has to know, as it says in the Mishnah, it has to be against your will. You have to be forced. If you pull yourself away from learning the Torah at a time when you absolutely must, then automatically, your highest, your vitality should be put into saving other lives of Yidin, spreading Yiddishkeit, and to do it with the highest in a way that when you are doing that, if this is the call of the hour, your entire being, the entire entity of what you're all about has to be expressed and manifested in that. Similarly to the other, other category of Yidin, who don't spend their time inside the yeshiva, learning Torah, teaching Torah, things of that nature, but they are involved in business or in professions, and they basically work within the world with the people of the world, not the people of the yeshiva, in doing gemilos chasadim, in doing good deeds. They are so busy helping people and doing wonderful things like that. But such people also have to have to fulfill the obligation of setting aside specifically times for studying Torah. And not only that there is a specific time, but at the time that this person who was involved with things of the world is studying Torah, which is not really the thing he does all day or things of that nature, he has to do it with his complete being. He has to vest himself, so invest himself so entirely in this as if this would be his trade and profession all day long. And in conclusion, the Rebbe teaches us something else regarding this, these words of the Medrash that Rashi quotes, he Sion Bal Karcha. Moshe made them journey further against their will. He literally forced them to go. So let's see. Where did we learn this? We learned this in connection with silver and gold and things of that nature that the Yidden were collecting from the Yamsuf in order to release the sparks of Kedusha to refine spiritually 
whatever holiness had to be taken out of those things. So that we call the biza of the yam, the booty, the wealth that came out of the yamsuf. And to take out every single spark of kedusha that is there that has not yet been refined. So this was true in the case of the Yidden who left Mitzrayim and now had the opportunity to continue the work of emptying out Mitzrayim. When they came to the other side, when they were able on the other side of the Yamsuf to take out the wealth from the Mitzrayim. How much more so, the Rebbe tells us, does this have to be when the Avoda of Birurim, when the Avoda of refining the sparks, releasing the sparks of Dusha, is not in taking it out of silver and gold necessarily, but taking it out from the lives of other Yidden. When we go out of our way and we bring another Yid close to Yiddishkeit, for some reason this Jew has distanced himself from Yiddishkeit or was distanced, was distanced away from Yiddishkeit, and we bring that Yid to do a mitzvah or to learn Torah, that is infinitely greater even than what was done by the bees of Mitzrayim. And a Yid can come and say, I have already spent so much time and accomplished so much being Makar of so many Yidden to Yiddishkeit, so maybe now I can take a rest, not God forbid to take a rest and not do something positive, but maybe I can be involved in another kind of avoda, one that is more pleasant or more easy or more feeding, more feel more in line with my particular nature or with my particular way of understanding th- things and serving Hashem. So the Rebbe says here that a yid must absolutely know that he should not. It's not about making a calculation of how many Yidden he or she was already Mekarif to Torah and Mitzvot, because as long as there is, still exists another Yid who one has the capacity to reach and to be Mekarif and you are not Mekarif them yet, we have to go out of our way if this comes our way to do it because we have a command from the Meish Rabbeinu of our generation, we have a command from our Rebbe that we have to continue to do this work and we cannot go away from this work because we have to continue to be Mekarev, another Yid to Yiddishkeit. And this is the call of the hour and there's nothing more important than this. And especially since when we look at another Yid, we know that every Yid is a complete world. If we give life, we learn in the mission, if we give life to one person, if we give kiyom to nefesh achas misrol to even one Jewish soul, we've given life, we've brought existence, we've brought vitality into an entire world. So even if one was makar of many yidden, but there still remains one who was not yet brought close. So what is it that remains? This one yid is really an entire world. Olam mole, a full of elt, a complete world, a world full of something in it that has not yet become refined. And this would apply even if we're dealing only with one single individual Yid who has not yet been brought close. How much more so if there are several Yidin, if there are many Yidin whom we still have to bring close to Yiddishkeit. So a person must put himself completely into this with one's entire chayas, with one's entire spirit, with one's entire being in a way that uh, nothing is going to stop him, even if it's Balkarho, he wants maybe to do other things, but the fact is that he has to put his highest into this now.
and to understand this most, how much more so when one begins to think that through the fact that we are Mevarer, the sparks of a, that exist in another Yid, we meet a Yid who seems to be further away from Yiddishkeit and we bring him close to Torah and mitzvot, ultimately what will happen? This Yid, who has become part of our Avodah Sabirurim, will now become a Mevarer in his own right, in his own right, he will go in turn and he will draw other Yidin closer to Yiddishkeit as we know the principle, mitzvah goreris mitzvah. One good deed drags along another in its wake, especially if we have the mitzvah, just like we take care of ourselves, we take care of another Yid, so the other Yid becomes like the one who's being in Mekarev, and from the Yid who was brought close to Yiddishkeit, so many other Yidin will be brought close to Yiddishkeit and those Yidin will be Makarev, other Jews to Yiddishkeit until we will have results of results, fruits of fruits of fruits, asav kol ha'olam, until the end of the world. And may Hashem help that we should be able to do this avoda successfully and we should be able to do it with our whole hearts until there will not be one Yid left in the world that will not be ready for the experience when we all greet Moshiach together. Thank you.